Good evening, Rocky Peak. Great to see you. Uh, excited to be here with you. Um, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors. And if it's your very first time, uh, special welcome to you. We're just so glad you're here with us. We're going to be going to our time of teaching right now. And so inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. We use it every week, and uh, you'll definitely need it. Uh, I have a lot of information on there to help you follow along. So if you guys are ready to jump in, uh, I'm going to jump in. You guys ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here to continue this next step of this series of what does it look like to be renewed, to be really changed from the inside out by the power of your spirit so we can become the people we're created to be and in turn learn how to relate not only to you but to one another in the way that we're designed to, to build relationships that are solid and life-giving. So we pray that you'd be with us today as we uh, open your word, as we talk about these things, you direct us, speak clearly, pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our story starts today, back in 2003, and he is a famous speaker. He's a, a well-known uh, author, uh, made, made, uh, written many books that are on the New York Times bestseller list. If I were to throw out his name, many of you would recognize him. And uh, as a result of this, his writing, he's often asked to speak at Many you know, large national corporations, Fortune, uh, Fortune 100 uh, companies, uh, West Point, many you know, very famous places. And so, um, and so as the story starts, he has been asked months before, to, uh, and he has contracted to speak at a large national convention for a uh, home improvement center. They're, they're kind of a large national uh, deal. And so he's excited to do that, but a few days before... He gets a call from the White House, and they, uh, they, they tell him the President of the United States would like to meet with him personally to get some advice on an important issue. Would he come back? And of course, uh, he is very honored to be asked to do this. Who would ever get to do this? But the challenge was when they told him the time, the time the President had to see him was exactly at the time, he'd made this commitment months before to speak at this large national convention. So the question is, what's he going to do? Well, today, we are continuing our series called Renew, uh, the character of great relationships. And uh, I'm so glad you're here. Especially if you're brand new, I want to welcome you. Um, this series is really a series about God's vision for our life. And so the basic core concept is when a man or woman comes to Jesus, that God's vision for our lives is so much bigger that we'd simply be forgiven for our sins and go to heaven when we die, that his vision for us, so we'd be transformed from the inside out by the power of his spirit, that we would be renewed to be like our creator, which in turn allows us to enter into a whole new relationship, not only with God, but with one another, to build the kind of relationships we were designed to have. And so if you're uh, here, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that the very first week of this series, I laid, out a, uh, I laid out five key principles that would undergird this whole uh, series, kind of five foundational principles. And last week, we went back and touched on them briefly. And I want to do that again today, and not because I've run out of material, but uh, because I, I think they're so important, it's really easy at the start of a series, you throw them out and he goes, oh, no, that's awesome, that's so good, and then we forget them, right? 
And so in this series, I'm going to come back to them time and time again because I want to drive them deeply in. If you're here for the first time and you weren't a part of that, I'd really encourage you to go back, uh, go online to our YouTube channel and uh, you'd watch that first message because it, it really is foundational. What we're going to do today is just take a couple minutes again like we did last week and just hit them really quickly, all right? So there in your note sheet is a section called Renew the Character of Great Relationships. Let's jump in. So the... Uh, the lines are all filled in. We just hit it real fast. Uh, God's vision is renewal. That's what I was just talking about. We come to Jesus. He has a vision for our life. It's not just forgiven. It's it would be renewed to be like our creator. Now, uh, the very first week of the series, we uh, did a kind of a deep dive into Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. We'll eventually go to 17, uh, which is our key passage for this series. We'll touch on it again today. Pretty much every week we'll be touching on it. But we got to the middle of that series. Here was the key verse. It's the key verse to the whole series where Paul says we're to put on the new self. As followers of Jesus, we've come to Jesus. We've been forgiven of our sins. We've received the gift of his Holy Spirit, which gives us now the capacity to change and grow. So he says, so put on this new self, this new identity, which is being what? Being renewed. Let's say it again. It's being what? We're being renewed, right? And so, but what's the goal of this renewal? What are we going to become like? He says, well, we're being renewed in, the, in knowledge, in the image of our creator. So we are created, Genesis chapter 1, in the image of God. We rebelled against him as a race. We're no longer like God in so many ways. And so Jesus comes to restore that and renew that image, okay? Number two, character is critical. When we see a great relationship... We tend to attribute it either to chemistry or great communication or both. But what we're learning in this series is that the most critical ingredient in great relationships, as important as chemistry and communication are, and they're important, there's something more critical, and that's character, who we are. And so in 3.12 of Colossians, Paul gives us five examples. There's others we'll see in the same passage, but as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we're going to clothe ourselves with things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. As we're renewed like our creator, uh, these are the kinds of things that we'll become, and then that will pave the way for relationships. And number three, the greater the character, the deeper the relationship. And so a little bit of compassion, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of humility, not going to go a long way. You're going to have a tough relationship. You have a lot of kindness, a lot of gentleness, a lot of humility, and so on. You're going to have a strong relationship. So the point is, if we can grow, uh, say we're at a six in our compassion, we can grow to our seven, automatically our relationships will get better. It's just, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, uh, character in, relationship out, that kind of thing. Number four, character is created by choices. Remember that uh, often character is a mystery. Why do some have it, some don't have it? Where does it come from? How do we get it? We've learned that, no, this is, it's a choice. It's, God's empowered us, and so we're going to put on the old, or put off the old, put on the new. As we make choices over time, we change, our character changes, we become like the creator. And then number five is that character takes time. And we talked about this, that uh, God's vision for our life is to create oak trees, not wildflowers. And so that takes time. If we're going to become like him, it takes time. It takes lots of choices over time, big and small. and often takes, catches very difficult choices that are extremely painful when we make them. But when we make the right choice, we put up the old, put in the new, that it has a power. And, and the, hard, catch it, the harder the choice, the greater the character. I, I'm, it's just, there's a one-to-one correlation. Something really hard to do, and you do it, that is a major 
uh, it's going to lead to some major transformation, right? So those are the first five. And, uh, and so what we're doing then in this series is we are looking at seven key character qualities. And last week was number one. We talked about authenticity. So the very first step to growth in our life is radical honesty about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and our motives. And that allows us to self-diagnose. Now, this is going to become very important because tonight we're talking about integrity. And I'm going to give you some opportunity to self-diagnose. So if you're not radically honest, you won't know what to put off and what to put on. And so uh, authenticity lays the groundwork for all the other six. But um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to start off by asking the question, first, why is integrity so important in terms of relationships? And then we're going to come back and give four questions to help you self-diagnose where you, what you need to put off and what you put on, right? So there in your note sheet, integrity, why is it so important? Let's fill in the blank. The reason integrity is so important is that in- integrity is the key to trust, uh, we, we know this intuitively, don't we? Like the moment you're in, a, in a, you're in a relationship, right? And the moment integrity goes out, the moment someone lies to you, you're really, the moment they lie to you, the moment they break a commitment, they break up significant promise in your life, the moment that they are hypocritical, they don't live out their values that they claim to have lived, the moment that happens, the relationship is severely damaged. And it becomes very hard for the other person to trust you. And so integrity is a key to trust. Uh, John Maxwell and Jim Dornan in their book, uh, Becoming a Person of Influence, which is a great book, uh, so the bottom line is, is when it comes to integrity is it allows others to trust you. Uh, without trust, you have nothing. Trust is a single, catch this, these carefully chosen words, it's the single most important factor in personal and professional relationships, it's the glue that holds people together. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think, this is why we're able to trust God. If you stop and think about well, the reason we can trust God is because of his integrity. We know that God will always tell us the truth, God will always keep his promises. And he will always be consistent to his values. And because of that, we can trust him. So here's what I want to If you want to become like your creator, you want to be renewed, this is where it begins, that we have to become people of integrity so others can trust us. Now, here's the, the challenge, though. The challenge is, it's, this is one of those areas it's often hard to self-diagnose. Like, I don't know, it's, it's a rare day. When you meet someone, you say, you know, the problem with me is I just lack integrity. I, 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 I'll admit it. I lie all the time. Uh, I, I don't keep my commitments. I, I know how to make commitments. I don't know how to keep commitments. It's just the way I am. I break promises, and I'm a hypocrite. I say one thing, and I do another. And so, I mean, I've got no one to blame but myself. Right? Like, that is a rare day. Pretty much everyone believes they're a person of integrity. And the reason, uh, uh, the reason that we often think this is because when it comes to integrity, we tend to count our wins and discount our losses. So what we do is we keep the scorecard in our head, and when we, we make the tough choice and we tell the truth, we make the tough choice, we keep a commitment that's hard, we, we live out our value even though it costs us, we, we notch that up. But here's what happens. When we don't 
keep our commitments. We don't tell the truth. We don't live out our values. You know what we do? We rationalize it. And what we do is, it's like there's fine print. We'll talk about this more later. There's fine print in our commitment that allows us off the hook. So what happens is that we think of ourselves as integrity. Because look, look at all these right decisions I've made. And all these wrong decisions, they don't really count for reasons that are clear to me. Maybe not to anyone else, but they're clear to me. And so we tend to redefine. It's like we add, we add fine print. Have you ever been like, you ever like bought an appliance or you, you made a you know, timeshare? Here's a great one. Timeshare. And you think you understand what you're doing. And then you, there's like fine print, small print that changes everything. It's how it is with, with integrity. It's that we make commitments, but we add this, in our mind, this small fine print and so when the time comes, it's like, ah, oh, well, I didn't really break my commitment because there was this fine print there all along. And so we're able to rationalize. And it allows us to kind of be, uh, lack integrity and yet think we are. And so this is not an easy thing to measure yourself. And so here's what I want to do. I want to help you. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you four questions to help you um, kind of measure how you're doing in integrity and to self-diagnose, hey, I'm doing well here. I need to grow there. And this is why authenticity is so important because if you're not willing to be radically honest, this is a waste of time, right? Um, And so I'm going to do all I can to really help you be radically honest. So here we go. So on your section, there's a notion of the section, integrity, what's it look like? And here's question number one. Do you tell the truth even when it leads to trouble. Obviously, the first part's the easy part. Now, this is where Paul starts his discussion of what it looks like to be renewed. It's interesting. There in your note sheet, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, our key passage, when he starts talking about renewal, this is his first example. He says, do not what? Lie. Now, to lie, we're going to dis- mean, we're, means we're deceiving someone, right? Say, do not lie to each other because you've taken off your old self. So what he's saying is lying is part of your old identity. Uh, deception, that's part of your old identity. If you're going to be renewed, you're going to be like your creator, then we have to become people of truth because God has got a truth. You can't build a relation without truth. So if you want to be renewed... You have to make a commitment to truth-telling. So he says, do not lie to each other. You've taken off your old self with all its practices. You put on this new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image. So catch this, the very first example. He says, if you want to be renewed, you have to make a new commitment to truth, to being a truth-teller. Right? So, of course, I think we, we all know this. That this is critical uh, in relationships. Um, and and we've, we've all been there, right, where we know into it, when, when lie enters into a relationship, the relationship begins to crumble instantly, doesn't it? Like, if you've ever been there, we'll talk more about that later. But um, the, the thing is, is if you look at this principle, the question is, um, not do you tell the truth most of the time, okay? This is really important. I'm not asking you, do you tell the truth most of the time? Because most people, unless you're a pathological liar, and in that case, I can't help you. Jesus can. I can't. Um, but 
it, unless you're a pathological liar, most people tell the truth most of the time. That's why we see ourselves as people of integrity. But, but that's not the important part of the question. The only part that matters is do you tell the truth when you have pretty good instincts that if I tell the truth, this is going to lead to trouble. This is going to lead to conflict. There's going to be consequences. That's what I'm asking you. Okay? Now, just quick sidebar, what I don't mean. I don't mean you need to be rude, all right? <laughs> so I can just see this. This church changes overnight. <laughs> you know, you, you see a friend tomorrow, and they say, I've got this new dress. What do you think? Not bad, but it makes you look 15 pounds heavier. Uh, you know, like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, okay, I'm not talking about your Nazi Germany hiding Jews from the Gestapo, and they come to the door and say, we're the Gestapo. Do you have any Jews? I'm a Christian. I cannot tell a lie. Yes, they're right in here. Would you like some tea? Not saying that. Okay, so like I say, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about just normal life, right, when there's telling the truth may cost you. The question is, do you tell the truth when it's, um, when it's, when it's when it costs you. Now, here's the thing. In human relationships, I want you to catch this. If I can't trust you to tell me the truth all the time, I cannot trust you to tell me the truth any of the time. In fact, Cheryl Beale says that on your note sheet there. It says, one of the realities of life is that if you can't trust a person at all points, you can't trust him or her at any point. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. Husbands, your wife asks you a question. Wife, your husband asks you a question. If they can't trust you that you will tell them the truth, you're in trouble. Because you cannot now have a real relationship. And so I just got a, a, an email from someone today, and from my past, that there was sort of a, a falling out, you might say. And, uh, and so... Um, and I, I wrote him back a real long email, and I said, hey, from my perspective, here's kind of what happened, and here's what I see the truth to be, and this may seem hard, but I need to say it, because if we're going to have a relationship, it has to be based on truth. Like, we can't, we can't just pretend this didn't happen. Like, we have to acknowledge what happened, and we have to deal with that, and then we can now leave it in the past and move on. But if we can't if I can't trust you, that you will tell me the truth and when it's really hard and it's painful and it's going to cost you, I can't really trust you any other time. And so this becomes the mark of integrity. And so the question I would ask for you is that um, when you're in a relationship with your husband, your wife, your boss, your employees, your coworkers, your friends, your ministry partner, and when telling the truth, they ask you a question and you're telling the truth would almost for sure lead to consequences. What do you do? This, this is the question. Uh, you know, years ago, many, many years ago, I, I heard a message by Bill Hybels, who's pastor at Willow Creek, big church out in the Chicago area. And, uh, and it was so good. I like, I like dick, you know, I, I, I played it back and typed it out. He said, if you're, if you're going to stimulate some conversation in a social setting, ask this question, What's the most important quality you look for when you're seeking to establish a new friendship? Nine out of ten times, the answer will be honesty. 
And on the flip side, pose the question to people who have been deeply hurt in a relationship and what caused the deepest disappointment and the gradual demise of your friendship. And the answer will usually come out dishonesty, being lied to, etc. It's almost impossible to overstate the amount of damage that occurs when evidence of deceit and betrayal are uncovered in a relationship. Most relationships can withstand the periodic bumps and bruises brought about by misunderstandings and miscommunications. But when there's evidence of outright deception, bold-faced lies, chances are the relationship is over. If the wound isn't actually fatal, the relationship will probably be in the intensive care ward for a long, long time. It takes ages for credibility to be reestablished after deception has manifested itself in a relationship. So the question is, do you tell the truth, not just in general, not 80% of the time, not 90% of the time, not, but when it costs you, do you tell the truth even when it causes, leads to trouble? Number two, just as a warning, they don't really get easier. Uh, this is just a, just some of you are hoping, I just got to warn you, it's going to be a long night. Mm. Number two, do you keep your commitments even when they cost you? Now, this is a great question. Because again, we tend to keep our commitments really well when they don't cost us a whole lot. The question is, yeah, but what do you do when they do cost you? Catch this. Do you keep your commitments when the cost goes up after you've made it. You see, what happens often in life is we make a commitment, and in our mind, we think we understand the cost. That to, to do this, you know, to go to attend this event, to help this friend move, to, um, to help pay for this deal, to serve in this ministry, to be part of this life group, whatever, we kind of have an idea of what we think that's going to cost. But the question is, what do you do when when it comes time to pay the commitment and the cost has gone up? Now, uh, once again, the goal is to be renewed, to become like a creator. And would you agree with me? God is the ultimate promise keeper. Uh, that's why we can trust him. And so again, uh, if you want to be like your creator, renewed, this is where we have to begin. Now, just again, once again, there are exceptions to this. I always like to say that because there's always some neurotic people. Um, and I would put myself a little bit in that category, at least years ago, so I can really relate to this, with super sensitive consciences. And so, um, so, so you're like, you know, you have some family tragedy, and hey, no, I said I would go to that event. I got to, you know, Pastor Michael said. Um, no, uh, I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to this, right? Like, like, you make a commitment. You make a commitment. You're going to serve in a ministry. You're going to show up to a dinner. You're going to attend your friend's party, and all of a sudden, you get a call, and there's a death in your family. Like, everyone understands that that takes priority. So in other words, what I want you to catch is that there's always, there's always a certain level of conditions to most commitments. Like we understand that when we make a commitment, there are certain things we would all agree on 
that, hey, I was going to come to your house for dinner tonight, but I was in an accident. Uh, my car was totaled. I'm in the hospital. It's like, well, where's your integrity? You said you'd be here at <laughs> 6 o'clock. I expect you. Are you not a follower of Jesus? Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. I don't want to hear your excuses. Just bring home the bacon, baby. You know, it's like, we understand. You know, we, we get that, all right? So I'm not talking about unusual situations like that. Just, we all would agree. But what I'm saying is, is that in normal life, the question I want to ask you is, do you keep your commitments, and especially when the cost goes up, when, when they cost you? There's a great uh, quote there on your note sheet. It's a quote about character, but I think it really applies to te- integrity too. It says, character is the ability to carry out our good resolution long after the mood in which it was made is past. Oh, is that good? You know, it's like, I, yeah, I signed up for that kid's ministry, yeah, but I, I, I didn't know. Those kids are horrible. No, uh, you know, like, like, I, like you know, I, I was so moved. You know, it's just not even fair. They just shown that Himalayan joy home thing, and I was so moved, and I wanted to serve babies, and and then I just didn't realize that I have to get up a half an hour earlier. And, and oh, you know, it's just so insane. So, so character is the ability to, to carry out, you know, our commitments long after the mood in which we make them is past. Integrity is the same way. And this is why it's so easy to deceive ourselves. Because often we will add that fine print And what we really are saying is that I will keep this commitment if it doesn't cost me anything more than I realize right now. And so what happens then, we make a commitment, and when the cost goes up, maybe we're busier now than we anticipated being. Maybe we had a long day and we're tired. Maybe, here's a good one, a better option comes up. Yes, I said I would come to the life group social, but that was before I was offered Clipper tickets. Uh, Notice I didn't say Laker tickets or Rams tickets or Charger tickets. Uh, uh, (laughs) Then it's like, well, for whatever, I'm going to life group. I'm going to forget. And so what happens is in our mind, there is small print. And the small print is, I will do what I said I would do as long as it doesn't cost me more than I think. And so when the price goes up, here's what happens. We, we break our commitment and we think, because we have that small print, we think we're a person of integrity. Are you with me? We really think that. We absolutely think, of course I'm a, and in fact, if anyone said, hey, what are you doing? That's not really, you, you, you committed to help your friend move. You're like, yeah, but I didn't know I was going to have to work 60 hours that week. I'm tired. Well, what does that have to do with it? You made a commitment. They're kind of, and so what, you know what happens when that happens? The other person, here's what happens. The other person begins, whether they know it or not, to withdraw from you. Because you are no longer a safe person. They can't depend on you. And whether they can put that into words or not, they know it and they begin to back off. And you know what they, they stop investing in the relationship. And so you go through your life and you can't figure out, like, why can't I build strong relationships? And one of the reasons is, is because everyone has learned that they can't depend on you. And so they don't mind having you around if nothing important's going on. That's great. You're a nice guy. 
You know, it's nothing personal. But I'm not going to invite you to this or depend on you for that. I'm certainly not going to go and share my life with you in an important way. Because who knows what you'll do with that. And yet all along, we see ourselves as full of integrity. You know? You know, we started the day with the story of this famous writer, speaker, author. Some of you may have guessed, but it's a story about John Maxwell. And I know a lot of you have read his books, he's a famous guy. And because he's so well-known and, and, and such a gifted leader, teaches on leadership, that he's often invited to, to I mean, you know, to, hey, come teach leadership at West Point. Come teach leadership at GE, Chick-fil-A, whatever the thing is. And so he made this major commitment, like I said, and then this opportunity comes up, and you can imagine how he wrestled with this. And he'd never been to the White House before. It was back in 2003. President Bush wanted to meet with him. He not just wanted to meet with him. He wanted to ask his advice. Like, what an honor, right, to be asked by the President of the United States. And so, of course, man, he, he did everything he could to try to make this work. And he went to the he went to the, uh, the, the organizers of the National Convention, and he, he asked them, he said, hey, here's this opportunity I have. Is there any way we could switch my speaking time? And they said, well, really not. You're like the keynote speaker, you know? And it's like, no, we can't really do that. And so, because he was even checking into to chartering a jet. He thought, like, you know, that I could just, if I could do, just change the speaking time, I could charter a jet and make both, both commitments. Um, and finally, as the, he, he, he uh, finally came and said the only way he could imagine doing both events was if he, uh, as, as if he uh, was able to um, uh, actually tape the thing and then like just show the tape at the convention. But of course, that's not what they paid for. But he went, he, this was great. He went to him and said, hey, I've got this opportunity the president. I understand. You know, I've made a commitment. But I, you know, would you be interested, would you be willing, if I did this, would that be okay? And they said, really not, because we want you there live. And so he wrestled with this, and he came to the point, the only way he could go to the White House was to break his commitment that he'd made months before. And so he called the White House. He thanked them very much for their offer. but said, I'm not able to come. I have a prior commitment. Now that is integrity. That is integrity. Because here's a man that he will keep his commitment even when the cost goes up. You know, there's a great psalm, Psalm 15. It's the psalm of David. I put it there on your note sheet. And it's, it's a, you might want to read the whole thing later. It's kind of interesting. But I just put excerpts. But David is asking a question. What he's asking is, um, God, who can come into your holy presence, your tabernacle? And remember, this was before the, the, te- the temple was built, so you'd meet with God in the tabernacle. And the question is, who can come into your presence and who can have a relationship with you? What, what is required of that? And the answer comes back to David. And so he says, Lord, remember, uh, Lord, all caps means Yahweh. So he says, Yahweh, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? What a great question. Who can have fellowship with you, God? And so the answer comes back. He whose walk is blameless and who does what's righteous. And then he starts giving some examples. He who speaks the truth from his heart. Because that's what we just looked at, right? Do you tell the truth even when it, causes, even when it leads to trouble? So he just, who speaks the truth from his heart. And then catch this. It's a few verses down. It says, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. 
God is a God of integrity. He keeps his promises. If we're going to be renewed to become like our creator and then catch this so that others can trust us, this becomes a critical question. So the question I have for you is with those who know you best, here's a great self-diagnosis, your spouse, your closest friends, your employer, uh, your employees, your ministry team, your life group, would those who know you best, would they say, this man, this woman, is a, is a, a person of their word. If they say they're going to do something, take it to the bank. Can I tell you something? just thought of this, not my notes, but uh, Neil Johnson, Pastor Neil Johnson here, that guy is integrity that runs eight feet deep. He tells you he's going to do something. He's going to do it. He's going to tell you. He's going to, he'll, he'll keep his word no matter what. There are people in your life like that. These are the people we need to model off of and say, you know what? Okay, that's what it looks like. There's probably people in your life that you know that you say, this person is a person of integrity. They, 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 they always say what they mean. They mean what they say. When they make a commitment, they give you their word, take it to the bank. Those people are like gold in your life. Learn, learn from them. Right? Now, number three. Um, here's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, are you the same in private as in public? <laughs> Got real quiet. Um, now, let me tell you what I don't mean. Because for every one of these, I want to qualify. I'm like, let me tell you what I don't mean. I don't mean that you're as honest or vulnerable out in public as you would be with your closest friends, right? I, um, we, when I think of our lives, I think of our lives as being a concentric circles. And the outer circle is our public life. The next circle in is our personal life. The next circle in is our private life. I'm not asking you, are you equally open, vulnerable, honest with everyone, like in public? As you, I'm not asking that. What I'm asking you is, are you a person that lives out your values that you claim to follow in public? Do you live them out in private? Um, so integrity, and this is a very important part of what understanding integrity Integrity has to do with living by a code of conduct consistently. Okay? At its core, integrity is about having a code of conduct and living by it consistently. Now, for us as followers of Jesus, we have our code of conduct, don't we? It's the teaching of Jesus. It's the, uh, the writings of the Bible, the Word of God. It's our code of conduct. And so we gather here, and we say, this is our standard. This is what Jesus calls us to be. And so the question is, are you living by that code of conduct that we claim in public? Are we following that in private? And obviously, we'll all fail at times. Um, but even when we fail, are you quick to own your failure? So for example, if you're really harsh at home or you get super angry uh, and there's an outburst of anger, um, part of integrity is to say, I am so sorry. That's not who I, I am. It's not who I want to be. It's not as a follower of Jesus I am. And I, I'm, I failed there, and I'm just really sorry. That was really wrong. And so part of integrity is owning our failures. Right? That 
instead of defending them. The person who does have integrity will not be honest that that was a failure because of pride or arrogance or whatever it is. And so I'm asking you, not, not perfectly, but if, if, I were to, uh, if, if I were to get to know you personally, would I see different standards? Like this is who you portray yourself when you're with believers, but here's really the reality uh, of your life. You know, it's interesting. Um, we were, uh, were in the process of interviewing someone for our middle school pastor, and, and uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago, a week or so ago, this, this guy was out here. And uh, we weren't really scheduled to do this. Um, he was out for a week, and, uh, and so he'd come out on Thursday, and it was the following Wednesday, so he was almost ready to go. And so over that time, he'd had a lot of one-on-one meetings with key people that he would be working with. Um, but on Wednesday mornings, we have this particular meeting with a lot of our, a lot of our pastors and directors and like 17 people in there. So, and, and it's just a normal meeting we have. And so um, not everyone in there was going to get any one-on-one time with them. And so I just invited him to come. Why don't you just come and sit in that meeting? You have to know a little bit more of us. We're just doing a normal meeting. But you just get a feel for who we are. And, uh, and since he was in there... Um, I decided, hey, I'm, I'm just going to get, does anyone have questions for this guy? And do you have any questions for us? It was just all impromptu. It was like, this was not formal, right? And so um, he, you know, we asked a few, some people have a few questions for him. And then I said, well, hey, do you have any questions for us? And he said, you know what? I've, I've been in so many meetings and talked with so many people. I think I've got most of my answers. But I would just like to know uh, from the people in this room, like, what do you love about being on this team at Rocky Peak? What do you love? And it was really cool for me to sit back and just listen to people's different answers. But one of the ones I loved the most was uh, one of our key leaders said, you know, one of the things I love about being on this team is that what's said on the platform and the ministries is the values that's lived out behind the scene. And I thought, that is just awesome. That is, that's what you want, right? So that's the question. The question is, are we the same in private as we are in public. A couple quotes there. Socrates, you may have heard of him. Um, had a few bestsellers. Um, well, actually, his agent Plato did. But, um, but anyway, uh, he said, uh, the first key to greatness is to be in reality what we appear to be. Isn't that good? How about John Maxwell again, image is what people think we are. Integrity is what we really are. And then Thomas Macaulay, the measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he would never be found out. Oh, so good, isn't it? So good. Just makes your skin tingle. All right. So um, number four, fourth question. The fourth question is, goes like this. Are you asking the right questions? Are you asking the right questions? Like when you face a tough situation... Um, are you asking the right questions? And you say, well, what are the right questions? And that's a really good question. Um, but before I tell you, one of the, I think one of the biggest reasons we don't grow in integrity is when we face a tough situation, we ask the wrong questions. And if you ask the wrong questions, you will get the wrong answers. So let me give you some example of wrong questions. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw out a few. What do I want to do? Wrong question. What feels right to me? Wrong question. What do my friends think? Wrong question. What does my mom think? <laughs> Unless it's a really godly mom. Wrong question. 
How much can I get away with? How many people know? Will I get caught? How much do they know already? Will anyone ever find out? What will be the consequences? Is this really worth it? Some great bad questions. When you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers, and here's what happens. Wrong answers always lead you to compromise. And compromise saves you from short-term pain, but leads to long-term consequences. The reason we compromise is like, well, if I tell the truth, I'm going to get in trouble. And so what we do to avoid pain, we compromise. What we don't realize, this is like, like making a huge, like a bad financial decision that has 20% interest. It's like, hey, you may have saved a little right now, didn't cost you much, but long term, you're going to be paying on that sucker for a long time. It's going to be, the cost is going to be huge. So if, if we're not, not going to ask the wrong questions, so, so what are the right questions? I want to give you three right questions. And these are actually like all the same question, just asked three different ways. But I find in my own life that sometimes by asking the question a little differently, I see things a little bit more clearly in different situations. So here we go. Number one, what's the right thing to do? Basic question. What's the right thing to do? Now, as followers of Jesus, we've been given the word of God, right? And so many times, if we would just honestly say, what is the right thing to do? And we look to our code of conduct, it will tell us. And what we need to learn to do is, you know what? After you've asked the question, what's the right thing to do? And the answer is clear, nothing else matters, Nothing else matters. Can I tell you something? When you say, come hell or high water, I'm going to ask the right thing and I'm going to do it, God will bless you for that. Now what that will look like, I I don't know. When I say bless you, I don't mean things are going to be easy. But I'm telling you, you release spiritual power in your life. When you just get in the habit, what's the right thing to do? And then, We're just going to do that. Once we've found the answer to that, nothing else matters. Because anything else, you know what it is? It's a lack of faith in God. What anything else says, you know what, this is not, no, if I do the right thing, uh, life is going to get worse. And God doesn't know what he's talking about. So it really comes down to an issue of faith. Can can I trust God in this? Um, Second question, how can I please you? As followers of Jesus, our number one calling in life, catch this, is to know, to love, and to please him. That's it. 2 Corinthians 5 says, we make, Paul says, we make it our goal to please him. That's what we do. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Our top goal in life is to please him. So catch this, wrong question, how close to the edge can I get without falling off? How far can I go without sinning? Wrong questions. How close to the line can I get? Wrong questions. The right question is, Lord, how do I please you? How do I make you happy? How do I bring joy to you? That's the right question. 
And if we're asking the right question, we'll get right answers. Number three, third question is, what's the Spirit saying? You know, there's sometimes in our life we ask, what's the right thing? And it's not super clear. It's just not. And you go to the Word, and the Word doesn't really speak directly. It speaks maybe to the situation, but it's like, well, is this a mercy time or a truth time or is it compassion or accountable? And I mean, it's just a lot of things, right? You know, it's like be generous and save and give and save. And, you know, I mean, it's like there's, it's not always clear what the right thing is to do, even when you go to the Word. And so this is why one of the reasons the Holy Spirit's given to us. When you became a follower of Jesus, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said when the Spirit comes, one of his jobs is to guide you into all truth. And so we need to ask, hey, what's the right thing to do? How do I please you? And then we need to listen. Like, what is the Spirit saying? There in your note sheet in Galatians 5, it says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So what is the Spirit saying? So, so here's what I'm saying. As we come to these tough decisions that are hard decisions, we need to get in the habit of saying, what's the right thing? How do I please you? What's the Spirit saying? And then as it gets clear, because you ask the right questions, you will get the right answer. They're going to trust. Okay, then I'm going to trust you. You know what's best. And I am going to do that. And catch this. As you learn how to make the right decisions in tough situations, something changes in you. And you become a person of character. And catch this. Everyone around you will sense it. And you will become a person that others trust. And because they trust you, they will be able to invest in relationship with you. And you will be able to build strong relationships. Because the first step of building a strong relationship is much like building a building is you got to lay the foundation. And that foundation is trust, and trust is spelled integrity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. I, I know that for, in many ways, Father, this comes down to a place of trust in you. Often it comes down to, if I do the right thing, if I say the right thing, if I make the tough choice, there's going to be consequences, and I'm going to face pain, and this could happen or that could happen. And, and so out of fear, we don't ask the right questions. And so, Lord, just like last week, to become authentic, we have to, to grow in grace. So to grow in integrity, we have to grow in faith. And so I would ask you for an outpouring of faith on our lives today in this room right now. And I pray, God, that you would, could, could teach us to stop compromising out of fear, that we would start trusting and doing the right thing out of faith. And as a result, our lives would change and our relationships would change and our families would change, our marriages would change, our friendships would change, our ministry teams would change, this church would change because we have become more and more like you, people who tell the truth, even when it's a hard truth, that people that keep our commitments, even when they cost us more than we anticipated, and people that live out our values consistently. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach us. We pray now as we come to worship, 
We pray you'd meet us. We pray as we bring our tithes, our offerings, you'd use them to build your kingdom. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with me? You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, as many as are the promises of God, they all receive their resounding yes in Jesus Christ. In other words, God has made a ton of promises and Jesus has come to fulfill every one. And you know, what does it mean to be a Jesus person then? Can I tell you something in this culture that we're in right now? I really believe this, that if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to draw people to Christ, to such a large degree, it's going to come down to our character. What a sad thing that often between those who claim to be Christians and those who claim not to be Christians, there's so little, if any, difference. This is one of those areas where as we get renewed, we become like a creator, that we tell the truth. People can take it to the bank. You know, your boss, he wants to know the truth about something. He checks with you because he knows you tell him straight. Um, we're people that keep our commitments. Our teammates at work, our family and all, they just know. Man, my dad was like that. My dad, he, he make a commitment. He says he's going to do something. And take it to the bank. It's done. There is no question. And we're people that live out our values. That we don't say one thing we believe in, and we don't do another. That we, well, there's a consistency there between who we are in public and who we are in private. And as we grow, as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and we listen and follow, we make these choices. We become different people. And we become like our Father who always keeps his promises. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful thing. Amen. Amen. Mm. Hey, um, just next week, really excited about the topic. Topic is empathy. Empathy... Uh, It's going to take in a lot of the Colossians things, compassion, gentleness, kindness, but empathy is about the ability to read, relate, and respond to others well. And it's uh, one of the key components of great relationships. So we're going to be unpacking that next week. I hope you can be here. As always, if you can't be, be sure to follow us on our YouTube channel. Until next week, remember prayer on the sides, but until next week, may the Lord be with you. And may you draw closer to this God that loves you and can always be trusted. And as you draw closer, may you become like him. A man or woman of your word, that you speak the truth. You speak it in love. You speak the truth. You keep your promises. You live out your values. And as we do, we'll be transformed like him and build the kind of relationships we were created for. Amen? God bless you guys. See you next week.